Good morning. Every now and again when I put together these messages and I go through it and I look line by line and I look uh, point by point, I realize that I actually have two sermons. And then I go, do I rewrite them or do I just preach two sermons? And I decided today I'm just going to preach two sermons. So you get not one but two today. Um, the last couple weeks I've been talking about in the, the red letters, the Gospels, about Jesus, and a couple weeks ago it was a little bit more of a difficult message, and talked about how, you know, the road is narrow, and, and not all who say, Lord, Lord, and some less palpable messages that Jesus talks about, and then uh, last week we talked about a more pov- positive side, about the fact that there's no condemnation in Jesus, and a lot of the positive teachings of Jesus that make us feel a little better, and I just left uh, last Sunday feeling a little bit uh, more lifted up, so I decided uh, this morning, I want to talk about something that, as a kid, has always kind of not, I don't want to say it's baffled me, but it has caused uh, questions in my head to just continually pop up, and that's this, this name of Jesus. You know, Therese just led this song, There's Power in the Name of Jesus, and asked the question, you know, there's not a lot of mass healings like there used to be, or the blind seeing, and the lepers cured, and the lame walking, and there's something about this name of Jesus that... I don't want to be cliche, and I don't want to be, you know, real sugar-coated like a lot of times we, as a kid, and I'm just going to be totally candid with you because those of you who know me know that's how I preach. Um, as a kid, I'd hear these people talk about Jesus, and I'm going, okay, I, I understand Jesus died for me. I, I get it. I recognize that he was on a cross, and, and uh, he was in a grave, and he, he rose to life, and he died for my transgressions and my iniquities and my sins. I understand he's a sacrificial lamb, but what's this... Maybe there's still a mystery there. What's this whole thing with this name Jesus? So I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning, and also a little bit about his providence as our shepherd. Um, that's another thing that I think we need to look at and be real serious. And uh, for those of you that are first time uh, or second time and don't really know a whole lot yet, I often will hit a rabbit trail and I'll forget to follow these notes that I've written, and that's just the way it is, and hopefully you're edified from it. So this morning... Now, we're going to start out with looking at this book of Acts. In the first couple of months or year, I would say probably the first couple of months of the ministry of the doings, the actions or the doings of the early apostles, as we know that the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came and rested on them. And after they went out and they did what Jesus told them to do, so Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, don't leave uh, Jerusalem, you're going to stay in Jerusalem, and then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they're, they're in Jerusalem, and they're, they're preaching and teaching about this Jesus, uh, this Jesus character. And at one, at one point, uh, Peter says this, he says, the salvation is found in no one else. So salvation uh, from death, salvation from hell, salvation unto life is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given to men, by which we must be saved. Now, as you guys know, that you know me as well, that I, I believe this is divinely inspired word. I believe the, the scriptures are divinely inspired. I've gone back and studied the history of how the Bible was put together and the letters, and that they would authenticate it, and they would duplicate it, and they would circulate it. If any one jot and tittle was wrong from a letter, they would just burn it. They wouldn't shred it. They would burn it so it didn't exist anymore. And so this passage here in the book of Acts where it says salvation is 
found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. I wondered, is the name of Jesus that powerful? Is the name of Jesus that important? And if you continue on in the book of Acts and you go into Acts chapter 5, and the apostles are being persecuted, and Peter and John were, were arrested, and they were, the apostles, Peter and John, were arrested. They were put in jail, and after they leave jail, they're, they're, they're told, don't do this anymore, and so they get thrown in jail again. And in verse 25, it says this in Acts chapter 5, Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people, at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. So the Sanhedrin is the ruling court of the law. It's like our Supreme Court. It's a Jewish nation. It's a theocracy for the Jews. And so they are, being, they are under the rule and under the law of the Sanhedrin. And so they're brought before the Supreme Court of the Jews... And they said, we have given you strict orders not to teach in this name, in the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might receive, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. More on that later. So they're, being, they're defending their case. They're defending the case that, look, we were given instructions by God to share who this Jesus is, and we must obey God rather than men and not, not talk about Jesus. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider, so consider this, let them go. The apostles flogged them. And there's this passage that is before this. So this happened after they had been challenged by the Sanhedrin the first time. So this is the second time they had gotten in trouble. The first time they got in trouble, what was the challenge or what was the rule of law for the Sanhedrin? The rule of law in Sanhedrin was Acts chapter 4, after they said there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved, and then they said, man, these guys are unschooled, they're ordinary men, they're astonished that they took note that they'd been with Jesus, and they ordered Peter and John to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They said, I want you to leave here, we're going to have this uh, private session among our leaders here. What are we going to do with these men? They ordered them to withdraw. They conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked, everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding thing, an outstanding miracle. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, to keep this Christianity from spreading, this is really, this really happened, to keep this Christianity thing from spreading, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's not this thing we had when we were kids, you know, what would Jesus do in the Jesus movement and the Jesus freak movement where we pray in Jesus' name and we do this in Jesus' name. There's, I mean, and that's all real stuff, but there is real power because the Sanhedrin is saying, 
in order to keep this Christianity from spreading to people, we must warn them, don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And then, okay, this is history, but then we get into what's going to happen later on for each one of us. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, your attitude, he's talking to the saints in Christ at Philippi. The saints in Christ, he's writing to Christian people, a letter to Christian, which had been, it had been uh, authenticated, then it was duplicated, and then it was circulated to the different churches. It's like in the church of Corinth when he writes to all the churches of the saints. But he says here about us, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, talking about Jesus, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Okay. Jesus is a name above every name. Then he says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. You see, we live in this society, this culture, this world that refuses to go on bended knee to the name of Jesus. They'll go to bended knee to a lot of different things, but not to Jesus. And this morning I want to talk about Jesus, and I want to understand that the antithesis of Jesus, the opposite of Jesus, is this battle, is Satan, is sin. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's talked about that be strong in the Lord, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a genuine battle going on in each one of our lives right now. There's a genuine battle. Satan is wanting to destroy us. It says here in 1 Peter 5.8, and I'll read that in a minute, it talks about him being a lion, looking to devour somebody. But this concept of Satan that we are being, we are being attacked by, I wrote here, the enemy's purpose is very simple for your life. We're going to look at the purpose and the providence of, of Jesus as the shepherd, but in order to see that, in order to know what black is, we've got to know what white is, yin and yang, good and bad, hot and cold. We've got to know what the opposite is. So the opposite of Jesus is Satan and sin and struggle and temptation. But the goal, the main purpose of Satan is very simple. To destroy you and suppress the glory that can't be given to God through our lives. I'm going to say that again. That's the bottom line. The purpose of the evil one is to destroy you, to destroy me, and the glory that can be given to God through my life and through your life. Because your life, every day, every day your life can give glory to God. Every, every, every day of your life on bended knee, you can give glory to God. And it's like that when we see that in a marriage, people say, well, who's the head? Well, I'm the head. I'm the head of the household. You can ask my wife. I'm the head of the household. What is my role? My role... And Brenda's role, Brenda's role is to, and this is from Hollis, and I agree with him, Brenda's role is to say, look at my husband. 
look at my husband. Look at my husband. And my role is to say, look at God. Look at God. Look at God. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so our job and our role and our goal in life is to live the most God-honoring life we possibly can. And you cannot do that unless you cannot do that unless you get on bended knee to the Father, to the King. You can't do it. You have to be able to submit to Him. You have to want to submit to Him. But why? We look at Him as the name is powerful. We see the providence as a shepherd, and we see the danger that we fight in 1 Peter 5:8. We see this, and you want to think about this, anybody that's an outdoorsman or a hunter, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. He is telling them to be self-controlled and alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around, around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I'm going to read this again. The purpose of the enemy is to destroy you and suppress the glory that can be given to God through our lives. That is Satan's, that is Satan's goal is to destroy our lives. He decides to destroy it. He tries to destroy it through a lot of different avenues. He tries to destroy it through a lot of different avenues in our lives. And when I look at the words of Jesus in the scriptures, and the scriptures make it very clear that the intent of the enemy is different than the intent of the king of kings. The intent of Jesus is different. The intent and the goal of Jesus for our lives is different. His name is used flippantly. It's blasphemed often. But as we get to the red letters here in John, it's a second sermon. The first sermon was short. The second one may not be. I don't know. But the first sermon, the name of Jesus, is very powerful. It will do things. I've seen it change people's eyes. I've seen it change their countenance. Just saying the name of Jesus, it does something inside of a person. But we need to look at who this person Jesus is. And in John chapter 10, I'm going to read about 10 verses here where it says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. We're going to focus on that first 10 verses here this morning. Many preachers have, uh, the commentaries that I've read and the sermons that I've listened to, many preachers have made the, come to the conclusion that he's not referring to Satan here in verse 10. When he says, 
that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. People have taught that Satan's job, or this, this reference here, is that Satan came here to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and when you look at the context here, when the Pharisees who were with him heard, uh, heard what he was talking about, and they asked if they were blind too, and Jesus responded to them. And after the words, the Jews were divided, and many of them said he is demon-possessed. So we have the context of these Pharisees and this legalism that was going on in the New Testament uh, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And they were binding some things, and we see that throughout the entire Bible. They're binding things on the Jewish Christians, or the Gentile Christians, rather. And I don't believe that Jesus here is referring to Satan when he says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I think he's talking about false teachers. However, I also believe this is very applicable to what uh, the adversary is here to do, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. And the three things I wrote down here is to steal the joy and the peace that transcends all understanding from our lives. He came here to steal the joy and peace that transcends all understanding from our lives. We see that in Philippians. Satan's goal is to steal the joy and the peace that transcends all understanding. Have you ever been in a position where you just had zero peace? Where you have turmoil inside? Where you're struggling inside? Go ahead. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Half of you? Oh, the other half. You're in the wrong church. <laughs> so, every one of us has struggled and had turmoil. In fact, I would venture to say that many of us are struggling and have turmoil right now. There's an old saying, uh, Chris Coleman, the man that used to preach at a church we belonged to, he married my wife and I, he baptized my wife and I, and he said, Nate, when you get into ministry, you've got to be careful. He says, because eventually they love you because you help them, and they hate you because you know them. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you, I've got enough issues of my own to worry about yours. I love your issues, and I want to help them, but we all have them. And it's the attack of Satan that he is trying to take our joy and our peace, and he's trying to remove it from our lives. And the second thing I wrote down here is the kill, and to kill our soul by keep, keeping us from the hands of Jesus, by keeping us dead in our sin. The Bible is very clear in Acts 4. There is no other name given to men by which we must be saved. We're talking about salvation here. We're talking about eternity. And we've come up with all these different ways that we say, oh, they're in heaven, he's in heaven, she's in heaven. But they didn't believe in Jesus. Yeah, but they were a good person. But that's not what Acts 4.12 says. It says there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved. It's a requirement. And so Satan's goal is to put it in our minds and to kill our soul by putting it in our minds. There's other ways to get to eternity. There's other ways to get to Jesus. There's other ways to get to heaven. And according to the scriptures... That's not it. Romans 1 says the power is in the gospel. The gospel is the good news about who? About Jesus. And finally, the third thing is his destroying, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And this one's a little bit more personal. I think the first one is taking joy and peace. The second one is killing our soul. But the third one I would consider much more practical application. And people that are going through difficult times throughout their lives, like we all do, some now, some last week, some next week. 
He came here to destroy our relationships. He came here to destroy our marriages. He came here to destroy our faith. He came here to destroy our finances. He came here to destroy our health. That's what Satan is here to do. And he works on people so that there's chasm that gets there. He's there to separate. Is it hitting home? <laughs> I guarantee it's hitting home. I've got several saying, of course it's hitting home. Because it's real stuff. And you know me, I'm not going to preach a polished sermon where we're like, man, I feel good. I feel like I just went to a, a Joel Osteen concert. I feel like I just got the health and wealth gospel. This is awesome. That's not, that's not what it's about. It's about truth. And Satan's goal, Satan's role, Satan's desire is to destroy your life. That's his goal. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want you happy. He doesn't want you joyous. He wants everything that you are a part of to fail. But we have this Jesus that comes in, and everybody, we've got these Jesus preachers, but the, the practical application of Jesus is that he says here, I am the good shepherd. I have come that you may have life in abundance. In abundance. That means I'm going to own 15 houses, 47,000 acres, six boats, and a bunch of fancy cars. That's the abundance that he's talking about. Excessive, exceedingly, beyond measure. Right? No? No, he's like, no, that's not what he's talking about. Go with me to Luke chapter 12. Because that is what's taught by some people. That that's what he's talking about when he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The full measure. The abundance. Because that word does mean excessive, exceedingly, and beyond measure. If it was things, then Jesus led astray the rich young fool in Luke 12. When he says, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to invite the inheritance with me. Man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life. Matthew chapter 12. Or I'm sorry, John chapter 10. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance or have it to the full. That a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what you have. In fact, in the book of Revelation, he, he's condemning one of the churches there. He's challenging them and he's saying, you guys, you're, you're not getting it. And in 3.17, to the church of Laodicea, he says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? They had physical things but they didn't have life. They didn't have Jesus truly as Jesus says who He is and why He's here in our lives. And Satan has us thinking it's all these other things other than life. And you can go back to the very beginning when Jesus says, I have given you life. I am here that you have life in abundance and fullness. And you look in Genesis chapter 1 and you see that in 26 He says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God He created him Male and female, He created them. He created Allison and Therese and Amy, Amy, Brooke, Brian, in His image. It says that in Genesis chapter 1. I created them in My image. 
God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air and the, every living creature that moves along the ground. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has the breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And God saw that it was made and he said it was very good. Where's the Maserati, God? What did he give them? They were in this perfect utopian place. Think about this as we live in this world of, of things. What did God give Adam and Eve? Food and water. Didn't give them shelter. I think he's like, hey, go cut a tree down. You got iron ore? Cut a tree, make a shelter. And they were happy. And then what happened? The thief came to steal their joy, kill them, and destroy them. You will die. Eat this. No, you won't. Yes, you will. You're going to die. And destroy them. And that's what he did. You see, we have this, this concept that life consists of things. And Jesus says just the opposite. He says, I came to give you abundant life. A life full. A full life. If you feel like you're missing something in here, if you feel that you don't have the joy and the happiness that transcends all understanding, don't take this the wrong way, but you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. I can look in a mirror and say that. When I don't have the peace and the joy that transcends all understanding, I can look in the mirror and say, what do I need to adjust? What needs fixed? Am I not drinking of the waters? Am I not eating of the food that gives life? I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that's a fact. If you don't have the peace and the joy that transcends all understanding, then there's something that needs recalibrated. In the mirror, what do I need to do? And he says, I am the good shepherd. I, I have the rod and the staff. I, I, have, I am the shepherd that can lead you by still waters to greener pastures. I have that. Oh, I don't want that. I like the inward turmoil. No, no, you don't. Nobody likes it. We just keep hitting our thumb with a hammer because we think that's what we're supposed to do. But God says, that sounds like a psalm, doesn't it? Not a song, a psalm. There's a psalm. I think it's in. Uh, I think it's in the twenty-third. Yeah, twenty-third chapter, Psalm twenty-three. When Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd," the good shepherd. He's talking to people that understood shepherding. He's talking to people in Israel that understood that sheep would go out into the pastures. They understood about David, and David was a king. But David was a shepherd. His father was a shepherd. They recognize this as Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I can imagine they went back to Psalm 23 when he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't think that's how it's written. I want you to think about this too because Christianity has made it to where men are weak and sissies and soft and it's not something for real men. And that's the opposite of who Jesus is. Jesus walked through a crowd that wanted to throw him off a cliff. And they parted like the Red Sea. He was a man's man. 
He had the courage to stand up for what was right and go to death on a cross. That was Jesus. So the idea that Jesus was a soft, milquetoast man is you have the, the wrong, inaccurate picture of who this man's man was. And it says, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't think that's how he wrote it. I think he wrote it like, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. In yes, that's who my God is. My, the Lord is my shepherd. That's how I feel David wrote this. He says, he is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. Meaning, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. There's nothing I need to fill me up because He is my shepherd and He fills me up. He fills me up with food and He fills me up with water. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And the little study I did on this was that there's a couple different words for grass in the Hebrew. And the first one that's used here, it's not the one where it's tall grass that you lie down. It's the kind of grass that is the nutrient-rich shoot that comes out early on. And you see animals in the wild, and they go up the hill as the snow melts, and the first shoot that comes out, or after a fire. And these animals, which is rich in nutrients, they'll eat that. And so he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And there's another thought on this, is that sheep need four things to be comfortable enough to lie down. They need food. They need water. They don't need turmoil. They don't need turmoil, and they don't need pestilence around them. So Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. David is saying, he makes it absolutely perfect for me. He creates everything that I need to be comfortable for him to be my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me between, uh, beside quiet waters, calming waters. He restores my soul, and don't miss this part. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, for His glory. And I think I wrote a little bit earlier, the Satan's goal is to take away your purpose so that you can suppress the glory that can be given to God through your life. That's Satan's goal. I'm going to suppress you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take away from you your true nature because I don't want Him, God, getting the glory through your life. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I have gloom and I have sadness and I have struggle and I have pain, even though I have that, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Do you think we've got some evil going on in the world today? Do you think we've got evil going on in the world today? We have men saying, I'm a woman. That's evil. That's pure evil. That is pure evil. And I'm going to tell you why it's pure evil. Because that's taking what God has done and created in His image and saying, it's not good enough. It's a lie. And it says in Isaiah, I'm going to call evil good and I'm going to call good evil. This may not make you feel warm and fuzzy, but it's the truth. God created every single one of these individuals in our front here, and they're being taught, well, maybe you're not what God created you. Baloney, you are what God created you in His image for His glory. That's what He did. The government. Oh. 
Yes, Tom. It's evil. It's evil. It's evil. It's killing innocent lives daily. It's evil. God says, I will fear no evil. This anxiety that I get from it, when my wife says, Nate, God's in control. Yeah, but God's in control. God's, God's got it. He's got a plan. You don't need to fear it. You don't need to fear that evil. Prepare? Sure. Be smart? Absolutely. But fear it? No. I don't fear Joe Biden. I fear God. I fear God. That's all that matters. Everything else, he leads me behind. Besides quiet waters, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I walk through the darkest, toughest times. And he's, it says here, and you are with me. And so when you go to John chapter 10, and you see Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. This commentator, you guys know I like, I read him last week, Barkley, I'll just, for sake of time, I'll just go off memory here. When he spoke these words, they understood that there was a couple different types of sheep pens, and these were shepherds, and so they understood sheep, and the sheep would sometimes be closer to town, and they'd have these locked, they'd have these gated areas and locked gates so that nobody could come in and steal their sheep. Well, sometimes when they're going out to pasture, like when David was out to pasture and he was protecting the flock, they would have to just build these you pseudo walls and they wouldn't have gates and so the shepherd would lie down in between where the gate was going to be and for anybody to get into the sheep pen or for any sheep to get out they would have to go over the shepherd when he says they don't enter the sheep pen by the gate i tell you the truth jesus said i am the gate I am the gate. You don't get to the Father except through me, Jesus says. So you want to get rid of anxiety? You want to get rid of turmoil? You want to get rid of constant friction? I'm telling you, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Don't hear me saying it's, it's like flipping a switch because it's not. Anybody says it's like flipping a switch, I don't believe that. It's, it's, a, it's a process. It's, it's recognizing who Jesus is, the power of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in Him being our shepherd, the good shepherd. He is my shepherd. That You can confidently say He is my shepherd. Are there going to be tough times? 100%. Because not everybody's walking by the light. you got to remember that too. Not everybody's walking by the light. There's going to be people pulling you in different directions. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Worry about yourself. Worry about your bended knee to God. And other things will take care of itself. But we can only work individually on ourselves. So when he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, have an abundance. Man, that's a, that's a powerful passage when Jesus is saying, I've got something, I've got an offer for you here. I've got an offer for you. If you want to take it, it's there. Take it. We all have 
we all have an eternal decision to make. Daily. We take up our cross daily. We deal with our struggle daily. We go to the Father daily. I hope I got across that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. And he's prowling around. And he's looking to devour. And he uses a lot of different means to devour you. He uses a lot of means to devour you. And this name of Jesus here, I believe if we go to him, I believe the enemy flees. In fact, I think it says that in James. And then we'll close with that. This is the practical application. Well, how do I do it, Nate? How do I get there? You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses, chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? You see in 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and self-control or self-discipline. That's the spirit he put in us, a power, a powerful spirit and a loving spirit and a self-disciplined spirit. He put that in us and it caused us, it caused him intense envy. It says he is a jealous God in the Old Testament. He's jealous for our devotion and our love and our admiration and our giving him glory. But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You cannot come to God with a proud heart. You have to come to God with a humble heart and say, God, help me. I genuinely want it. I genuinely want to get on bended knee to you because I recognize that you are the good shepherd. And then he says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humility and submission. Two very, very key components. It's not like flipping a switch. It's making a decision. It's making, it's a choice. It's a choice to follow God. It's a choice to be in his pen. It's a choice to have him as your shepherd. I don't know if that was a warm and fuzzy one today. But I enjoyed preaching it, and I enjoyed studying it out, and I enjoyed being convicted by reading some of the scriptures here. That's good stuff. When you're putting together a message, you're like, hmm, I got to stop fearing some things. I got to stop worrying about some things. I got to get on bended knee a little more, or a lot more. Did you know we do communion as a church body uh, individually when you're ready? Who has uh, Steve? Okay. Steve will lead us in a communion homily and a prayer, and then we'll afterwards. Uh, I'll go ahead and bless. Why don't you bless the food after communion homily, and then we can go fellowship and eat?